You're listening to the Hub City Church Podcast. To learn more about Hub City Church, including our gathering times, you can check out our website at albanyhubcity.com. My name is Jesse, and like Randall said, we've been walking through the Ten Commandments, and I'm talking about the Fourth Commandment today. And instead of recapping the previous three commandments, uh, I wanted to start where Sabbath, the Sabbath commandment actually begins, which is all the way at the beginning. So I'm going to tell you a story this morning. In the beginning, there was nothing. And out of that nothing, God spoke order and form and life. He made people, and he made seasons, and he made animals, and he declared it all good. When he made those people, he said, I made you in my image so that you can follow me and create like I do. Six days you'll work, but God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. But the people soon forgot about him and craved more and more chaos and kept turning from this life of peace that he had made into this life of chaos until eventually they found themselves slave to a master that only cared about production. When God's people asked for a break, Pharaoh told them to work harder and said, absolutely not. God's people cried out to God and God heard their prayers. He saved them and he brought them out of this life of slavery and brought them into the desert where he fed them and he gave them water. Quail showed up out of nowhere and literally bread rained down from heaven. And God tells his people, I am giving you all the things that you need. I, all I ask is that you take one day a week and rest. And you don't even have to worry about having food on that one day of rest because I will give you double the amount that you need the day before so that you can just enjoy my presence and the fact that I am taking care of you on this day. God said, I heard your cry in slavery, so I freed you. I heard your cry in the desert, so I fed you. Remember me and what I have done. I will feed you six days, but the seventh day is a day of rest. You will not go hungry because I will give you double the amount of food. All you have to do is remember the Sabbath day and what I have done for you. The people try, but they forget, and they grumble and they complain. And then finally, God sets into words of stone these words that he wants them to remember because they're continually forgetting. And yet, even though these words are set into stone, his people continually forget. They forget his rhythms and his cadence. And this is the legacy that we have. This is not just the Israelite story. This is our story as well. And we have a part in this greater narrative, including myself. In 2019, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me that there's something about this commandment that I need to look into. What does it mean to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy? So I'm going to start a little bit about my own story with Sabbath and how it has changed my life, and hopefully um, that's some inspiration for you. 
I am really, really bad at holding still. Like so bad that I tattooed it to my arm, be still, because I can't do it very well. So it is not a strength of mine. And 2019 found me at the epic proportion of not holding still. I was working three jobs, homeschooling four kids, doing all of the things, trying to be a good wife, mother, sister, friend, and I wasn't doing any of it very well. And please appreciate the irony that I was doing all of those things while doing a deep dive into what it meant to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I was absolutely not doing that. And, but I felt convicted enough that my family started slowly adding some Sabbath routines into our day, into our week. And we added just a little bit of time on a Sabbath to remember that and adding that into our regular rhythm. But truthfully, it created almost more anxiety for me because then I felt like I had to do all of the things on Saturday now that I normally would do over Saturday and Sunday. So I was, it really didn't change me that much, but it was enough that I realized that I'm missing something and I want to add this more. So because I was doing all those things, Matt and Randall in their infinite wisdom told me that the month of February of 2020, I should take a sabbatical, which by the way, do you hear the word Sabbath in the word sabbatical? Uh, so I did, I took a month off. I quit all my stuff here and I still had my other two jobs and all the other things, but I was able to slow way down and God in his infinite foresight and grace uh, organized for me to take a week or a three-day silence and solitude retreat at the beginning of my sabbatical. So I did all that. I really started to feel God moving me and changing me in that time. And then I came back for one Sunday here in March of 2020. And you all know what happened in March of 2020. <laughs> the whole world shut down. And then five days after Oregon shut down for COVID, my family, had an even bigger thing happen. Uh, my daughter and I were life lighted to California where she needed to get an emergency liver transplant. And we were there for two months, the two of us, and everything that I had put my identity in that I didn't realize were stripped away completely. I no longer had a home to take care of. I wasn't working anywhere. I, everything had shut down both because of COVID and because I was in the hospital, there was nothing I could do. But because I had just spent the previous year learning about Sabbath and learning about where I was putting my identity, I wasn't left floundering. And my favorite psalm suddenly meant something more to me than I had ever known before. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This is the Psalm that ends with be still and know that I am God. That our job, our 
calling is to get to be able to stand in the middle of all of this chaos, mountains crumbling and waters roaring and all of this stuff, and just know that we are secure being held and knowing that we just get to be still and let God take care of all of that. And that's what I felt. So that is some of my background on Sabbath. And I wanted you to hear that so that when I say Sabbath will change your life, I don't want you to just hear empty promises. I want you to hear that I have learned the hard-earned lesson of Sabbath will change your life. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you do hold us amidst all of this chaos that is the world that we live in. I just pray that every heart in here hears your promise and your love and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we're talking about the fourth commandment. And it's an interesting one um, because it's one that doesn't get a lot of attention. I know that growing up, I said, oh my goodness, instead of oh my gosh, because gosh was too close to taking the Lord's name in vain. And yet nobody ever said, but you should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So I was interested in learning more about that. And the more I studied it, the more interesting it became to me. It's the longest of all the commandments, and it includes prohibitions and commandments. It says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy as a commandment, but it also says, stop all of your work, which is a prohibition. It sets us apart from other people. It's like a cultural mandate, as well as one for our benefit. If you are, as a culture, practicing Sabbath, this is like God's way to keep um, his people's identity. If you are doing that, you look different than the culture around you, but it's also for our benefit, which we'll talk a little bit more about that too. I know that like, Back when I was a kid, they didn't have soccer games on Sundays, but I don't know if that is still a thing because sports. Um, but that's a thing that you look different. If you are working and you don't take Sundays off or you do take Sundays off, you look different than the people around you. And that is part of God's intention with this is to create an identity for his people. The other thing that I talked about um, earlier that I wanted you to see is that this was God's plan from the beginning. This isn't something that he's setting in stone at this time. This was something that from the very framework of way, the way he created the world, Sabbath was a part of that. And he's doing that just as much for our benefit. He showed us that this life of chaos that we're choosing isn't the way he wants us to live our life. So what is Sabbath? Sabbath literally means to stop, stop or to cease. But do we really have to do that in this post-resurrection world? Yes, we do. Uh, because the truth is, we are just as much a slave to the habit of busyness now as we were in Egypt, as the slaves were in Egypt. We are just as much in need of the rest and peace that God offers us because we live in a world now that Pharaoh would really approve of. 
There are so many things to distract us with and keep us busy. And when God's people were slaves in Egypt, they had been forced into this habit of busyness, just like we are doing now. In Exodus 5, Moses asked Pharaoh to give his people a couple of days of rest to worship God, and Pharaoh's response is found in Exodus 5.4. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Go back to your burdens. As slaves in Egypt, they were serving a king who not only didn't allow for a rest, but when a rest was asked for, Pharaoh's response was, no, double their burdens and make them get back to their burdens. This busyness of work, the burden of production, this is all that God's people knew. But God came in and offered an alternative. He comes in and sets into stone the word that he's been trying to tell them from the beginning. Exodus 28, 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Imagine what it would have been like to first hear these words. You're in the middle of the desert after escaping from your life from a dictator who believed he was a god. A dictator who killed your baby boys, who overworked your baby girls, and had no value for you beyond what you could produce. You were completely expendable. And then you are brought into this desert where food is rained down from heaven, where water comes out of rocks, where the sea is literally parted in front of you. And then you end up on the bottom of this mountain where there's thunder and lightning and you are so unmoored and scared that you create this golden calf made from the gold that was literally just handed to you from your enemies as you are walking out. And after that, after all the doubting and the worshiping of anything other than the one who is deserving to be worshiped, Moses comes down and says these words to you, that he values you and your servants and your children and even your animals. And even after all you've done and all you've forgotten, that he still wants to spend time with you and to give you rest from the toils of your day to day. Feel that, because that is just as much true for you as it was for them. Sabbath is about our identity. When you think of taking 24 hours off to rest and to cease working, how does that make you feel? Does your brain start spinning with anxiety and anxious thoughts and feeling antsy about how to make that happen? Are there specific activities that, when you think about, gives you particular anxiety about stopping? Pay attention to those things because those are probably the things where you are putting your identity in now. It gives you some insight into the state of your heart and your mind. 
like I said, when I first started thinking about Sabbath, I was very anxious about how to make that happen and how crazy leading up to that would have to be. This practice of Sabbath exposed to me where I was putting my identity. Last week, Matt talked about uh, these 10 words and how it was a way of God creating an identity and a destiny for his people, one rooted in him and the peace he brings, one that's rooted in freedom, not where we are judged based on what we can provide, but instead invited into a relationship with God and with each other. So where is your identity? Let's just say some crazy far-fetched thing happens and you suddenly find yourself unable to go to work or hang out with people. What does that do to you? Does that make you question who you are and what you're worth? Sabbath is a day for you to sit in the knowledge that God gave you everything you have. He made you who you are and he loves you completely. He loves you enough to let you want to put your feet up and rest. And rest in the knowledge that your place is secure with him. It's a day to remember that despite any and all circumstances in your life, your relationship with him cannot be changed. That the creator of the universe, that the knower of all things is out there and that there is nothing out of his control. And he wants you to have the luxury of peace and contentment. But it's not all about rest. If you look at this fourth word, it specifically says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Our identity resting in Sabbath doesn't just mean we are a people who get to lay around and avoid all hard things. This new identity that God is offering his people is one of work and rest in their proper proportions. Your work is important. We believe at Hub City that you are all sent into the world to make disciples and to be disciples. Your work is important and it's a good thing. You are sent into your place of work, into your neighborhoods, into your community. This fourth commandment acknowledges that you will be working six days of the week and that you are doing it for the glory of God. But your working is not your identity. The work that you do is not your identity. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying he's your partner in your work, and that because of this partnership, your burden is easy and light. So often we strive unnecessarily and refuse the peace that he's offering. Sabbath is a weekly check that he's built into the system for us to be able to reflect on where I, our identity is and if we're making life harder on ourselves by carrying our burdens alone. When I got life-lighted to the hospital, I, it was unexpected emergency situation, 
and I did not have a change of underwear, but I did have the book A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, just in case you think God doesn't have a sense of humor. And in that book by John Mark Comer, in that book he says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. He offers his apprentices a whole new way to bear the weight of humanity with ease. At his side, like two oxen in a field, tied shoulder to shoulder, with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting. At his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. An easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. I'm going to say that again. An easy yoke isn't an option. Sorry, I said that wrong. An easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. Jesus is giving us the choice to have an easy yoke, to walk beside us through our work, and to give us rest. Compare this to Pharaoh's words in Exodus. Pharaoh tells God's people to get back to their burdens after he has doubled them. Jesus promises his people that he carries the burdens and he lightens them. As you think over your work week, can you see ways that you are choosing to carry a too heavy yoke? How could it change your work week to remember and believe that you are not alone and that your worth is not determined based on what you, how well you perform? I can tell you that this is not an easy way to think. It is a lot easier to judge your successes based on how clean your house is or your job promotion or your raise or whatever. But God knew that we would forget this all the time. That's why he built it into the system to have a, one day a week for us to check our hearts and reprioritize. Sabbath is also about community. Sabbath is a reorienting of our hearts, our minds, our priorities, and our bodies toward a worship of Jesus. But it's also a corporate practice. God created us to be in community, to be in community with him and with each other. The first three commandments are all about how to love God, and the last six commandments are all about how to love each other through our worship of God. I see this fourth commandment as a bridge between the two. When you are observe Sabbath, you are showing God love by investing in your relationship with him. You are making him a priority and you reap the benefit of that, but so do the people around you. When you are at peace with God and within your own soul, you are a lot less likely to steal, murder, lie, covet. You have no need to do these things because your identity and your contentment is not on what you don't have, but on who God is. Hopefully, this results in freedom and delight in community and whole new ways. A.J. Swoboda in his book, Subversive Sabbath, says, Sabbath is first about relationship to God, but the Sabbath is also about our relationship to each other. Some part of Sabbath should include worshiping with your fellow Christians, whether that's in your home or here. Sunday services, 
should be a part of that, can be a part of that, but also having someone over for dinner, going for a hike, crafting together, whatever brings you delight is, can be a Sabbath practice. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15 and 18 through 20, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We need each other to remind ourselves and each other of who God is and what he's done. This time that you are here in this building is not just about listening to Austin sing and listening to someone preach. It is about doing that together. The gathering together is so important to the life of the believer. We together are the body and each of us is incomplete without the other. We know that this is important because we see Jesus regularly attending synagogue and, as, and there are seven different Sabbath miracles and a lot of them happen while Jesus is in the synagogue. So we know that he worshiped with and learned with his fellow believers. Does that mean it's not an official Sabbath if you don't worship on Sunday or if you don't go to church as part of that? No, it doesn't. We spent a lot of time this series talking about how the law and doing everything just right is never going to save you. But we are given a specific set of words that we are invited to follow that show us how to love God with all our hearts, with all our minds, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in this fourth commandment, it's about more than just ourselves. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the, so or the sojourner who is within your gates. This word does not say, since you work so hard, six days a week, go find a hammock, grab a beer, put your feet up. It doesn't say that. It says, you will not work, but neither will anyone in your household. Even your animals get to cease working. This is about the whole neighborhood getting together and worshiping together and remembering. Imagine what this could be like. How many times have you thought to yourself, I have that neighbor across the street that I'd really like to have over sometime, but I just don't have the time. God literally gave you a day of the week to do that. He gave you a whole day that you can invite your neighbors over, that you can have a party with those people that you'd never get to see. This is about worshiping together, and he has given you the time to do that. And imagine if you are being, if you're able to take out some of the pressure of that, because you are so firmly rooted in who God is that you don't, care about what your house looks like, or if you make too much money or not enough money, or if your kids have the audacity of not being perfect. Because when you invite somebody into that, what they see and what you are firmly rooted in is that Jesus loves you for who you are and not all of those things that you produce. Sabbath is about our identity, and that identity affects our relationships and our community. 
And since it's not about what you produce, none of that consumerism matters. Walter Brueggemann says, Sabbath is not simply a pause. It is an occasion for reimagining all social life away from coercion and competition to compassionate solidarity. Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes, it's the pause that transforms. Sabbath is also about healing. It's interesting that during all my Sabbath research, I encountered a number of books and podcasts that were written from a secular perspective that all said the culture we live in is an unhealthy one. We are too busy. We have too many things distracting us. Our bodies are not made to work this often. We are too stressed out as a culture. And I mean, workaholic is generally not a positive term. And yet what antidote does the culture offer us? Jesus is that anecdote. He gave us this day to stop. And it, it needs to be a weekly rhythm instead of vacation. When you go on vacation, how often do you come back from vacation and you're like, I'm so tired, I need another vacation. When we're doing it on a regular basis like this, it, it truly is healing. It helps us see where we're working tirelessly, unneedlessly. It's a weekly realignment of our priorities. But it's not just about ceasing from work, it's about ceasing from our attitudes of production. And when your identity and your hope are resting in God, who knows all the things, healing is a result. The Pharisees fell into the trap of making Sabbath still about production. They ceased working, but they did not cease with their attitudes of production. And as a result, Jesus came head to head with them a number of times, and he showed them and us what Sabbath is really about. In Luke 13, we have an example of one of the miracles Jesus performed on the Sabbath. Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. A few years ago, we did a series on a sermon series on the miracles, and we called them Windows into Heaven. The premise was that the miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth weren't just to show that he has control over all of the things here on earth, but were actually windows into what the world was supposed to be like before the fall, what it should be like now, and what it will be like again. In these miracles, we see that there will be no hunger or pain, that Jesus brings food and water and healing. And the fact that seven of these miracles are done on Sabbath tells me that Sabbath itself is like a little window into heaven. It's what the world is meant to be like. It's not a day sitting on your, on your couch, twiddling your thumbs, counting the amount of steps that you took to be doing it correctly. 
It's meant to bring healing, like we see in the story of Luke. This, Jesus tells this woman on Sabbath day, you are freed. And it doesn't matter what day it is. And another thing I love about this miracle is that while God shows a precedent for rest, he doesn't show us a precedent for checking out. God doesn't actually need the rest. He gives us a rest for our benefit, for the healing of our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our relationships, for our whole selves, so that we find completeness in him. The Pharisees, who are supposedly in charge of the spiritual well-being of his people, berate Jesus for healing this woman on a Sabbath day. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter what day it is. You are free. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God created a day for us to rest and to remember that we are not doing the work alone. We are worth more than what we can produce, that we cannot save ourselves because he already did. He who created us, who loves us, who heals us, will never sleep nor slumber, but he holds us and he frees us. Let's reflect on the magnitude of that grace for a minute. Because Sabbath is also about gratitude. God built into the fabric of his people's identity not only time to give us to pause and reflect on the knowledge that we are valued for who we are, but he also recognized that we would constantly forget and that we need a weekly rhythm to help us to remember that. Sabbath is a time for us to remember who we are, who God is, and what he's done for us. And he knew that we need that constant and frequent reminder so that we could reorient ourselves and each other. In Mark, there's a Sabbath story of Jesus walking through a field with his disciples, and they have the audacity to pick heads of grain off the field and put them in their mouth, which is against Jewish custom. And Jesus' response to the Pharisees is, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This day of peace and rest was made for us, but we are not slaves to it. We are not confined to specific rules and regulations. Keeping the Sabbath really, really well won't save you. Only your relationship with the Lord of the Sabbath can save you. And the knowledge of that is what causes me to stop and cease for a time of rest and gratitude. I think of Sabbath a little like tithing. God gave me seven days a week. He gave me a family I love, a house, friends, a job, all these things that I didn't deserve or ask for. And in return, he asks me to give a percentage of that back to him not because he needs it, but as an act of acknowledgement that it was his to begin with, and I am grateful for it. At Hub City, we frequently say about tithing that we should give until it hurts. 
giving up a day of your week hurts. It is a painful thing, but it is worth it. We should be a generous people, not just with our money, but with our time. It's, but it's hard to do. But it wasn't really your time to begin with. This tithing of our week is an act of gratitude. Some of your Sabbath should be an acknowledgement of all the things God has given you and what you are thankful for. You should totally do those things, as say those acknowledgments, and do it as an act of community. In my house, we end our dinner time with going around the table and saying something that happened that was good for us in that day, something lovely and true and beautiful. That could be a regular Sabbath practice that you do. God asks us to give this time back to him because it's his and he wants us to remember him and what he's done for us so we don't keep striving to do the things that we think are important but ultimately are not. God, in his infinite grace, asks us to do something that ultimately benefits us. This day of ceasing is not a day that you earned by working really hard. You don't deserve this day of rest. It is a gift, a free, unearned, undeserved gift, and there's nothing you can do to earn or deserve it. Just like the salvation that Jesus offered up when he died on the cross for you, you just have to reach out and accept it and thank him for giving it to you. So I gave you a ton of information on a commandment that most of you have probably not thought much about before. And I want to leave you today hearing the blessing of what Sabbath can be and not feel overwhelmed at losing a day of the week and having to do all of these things. If you are thinking about what you should be doing now, you're approaching it like the Pharisees. This whole sermon series has been about the fact that these laws are never meant to bring anything but freedom. It's not about you doing all of the things. Only Jesus saves us. That's it. In the seven miracles, Jesus showed us that it's about our hearts and our desire to be in relationship with him and each other and not being able to check all those boxes saying you did it right. Talk to your family about some things that you can do to bring rest and delight. Start with one Sabbath tradition and go from there. My family does observe Sabbath. We started small and we started with ice cream. Every Sunday night, we ice cream after dinner and watch a show together. Uh, I am very particular about what kind of show we watch. If there is a car chase scene or a fight scene, it's absolutely not allowed on Sabbath. And if I had my way, there would only be British accents. Um, but I've had to compromise a little bit. But we do try and pick something that the whole family can enjoy together. Dinner is usually a low-key meal, unless I planned ahead, which is rare. Uh, I love getting out and going hiking, having somebody over. The kids don't do chores on Sundays. None of us do chores on Sundays. I water my indoor plants things that are restful and delightful. Sabbath isn't supposed to be stressful. It's supposed to be restful. I'm going to share with you one of my biggest aha moments for what Sabbath was supposed to be like. 
I have a friend who for years was a long distance friend and our entire relationship was over text message. And because of that, it got pretty close and I thought that we were really close because I shared my heart with her and we shared our heart with each other, but it was entirely over text message. I remember one time I was having a really hard day and she offered to call me and I had like an instant panic because talking on the phone was a whole new level that we were not prepared for. <laughs> and then she moved to Albany and I instantly panicked because I had never spent that much time in the same room with her. And I was so worried about how she would feel about me when she knew me, when she lived life with me. What would she think about my family? Could I look her in the eye with her knowing all these things about me and my heart that had spilled over text message? And we started meeting once a week at 6.30 in the morning. And that was painful. Getting up early, especially when it's dark out and cold, was a sacrifice. But it's become a day of the week that is sacred. It's that morning time that even though I see her all week long, even though I text her all of the time, there are some times that I hold things back just to share in our sacred time. It's a time that I rearrange my whole week around. And this is what Sabbath is supposed to be like. If even if you have a regular prayer life and it's great, and even if you have daily morning times with God, those are great things. But there's something different and special about setting aside a whole chunk of time where your entire purpose is just to be with God. Keeping Sabbath is worth it. Sabbath isn't really about ceasing work one day a week. It's just as much about how we live the other six days of the week. We are meant to be a Sabbath people whose identity is so firmly rooted in him that it informs who we are every single day. It helps us to be in community with each other and it is, helps us to better love our neighbors because we are at peace and not grasping at our own competition and production. Being a Sabbath people means that we are actively being healed from our hurts and our hearts are not tired of being bogged down in the muck of this world. That we are grateful that all of this has been given to us by a loving God who did all the work and invites us into this life of peace. So go to outside, put down your phones, be with people, worship and delight in the creator who made all of it and who loved you enough to give you a day just to marvel and enjoy. Let him heal you and love you and transform you. So when you come to the tables this morning, let it be an act of worship, an act of Sabbath. You are coming to receive the blessings that have already been heaped upon you, not of your own accord, but because you are loved. You are taking that bread and juice in remembrance of the body that has already been broken for you and the blood that has already been spilled for you because of who you are and not what you do. You get to have this moment of Sabbath because of a good God who never slumbers or sleeps. 
who takes care of you, who allowed his body to be broken so that yours didn't have to, and who carries the yoke with us and works with us because the creator of the universe loved you enough to die for you. So respond today in worship and gratitude. Lift your voices in song and receive the gift of the elements and give worship free because he gave to you. I'm going to close this today with a Sabbath prayer from an app that I've been using for a while called Lectio 365. May this day bring Sabbath rest to our hearts and our homes. May God's image in us be restored and our imagination in God be restoried. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May we know grace to embrace our own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed us and his spirit lead us into the week and into the life to come. Amen.